Let me just speak on, on behalf of Brandon and the praise team. I mean, we thank you. I think that every Sunday you allow us to bring your heart before the Lord. You know, every Sunday, just bring your heart before the Lord, and we don't have to all look the same doing it. Not everybody has to wear a chief's tie. And, and, and you know, you don't have to clap. Uh, you know, and you don't, uh, we'd like you to. We'd uh, like you to sing. But uh, as long as we can bring your heart to the Lord, that's, that's what we want to do. And we want to do that today. Uh, even with this service, installing our deacons. So go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, that now after three years, instead of two, Lord, after losing a COVID year, uh, we can come back before you again. And, and as a church, we can install a new roster of deacons. Some of them have been deacons before and just opportunity to recognize their service and put them in a position that, Lord, they can, we pray and we trust they will flourish from this position. They will, they will grow and blossom. And God, we can all do that together. That benefits all of us as a body. And so, Father, we pray you'd be with us now. Be with us today in this service. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. Um, I think it was uh, Warren Wiersbe who said that really a Christian has four names. Now, <clears throat> Now, as I, you know, as I uh, describe these names, when I came in this morning uh, before the first service, I went in the kitchen. And I always get me some, get some water and stuff before the uh, service starts. And one of the ladies was in there and was washing all the uh, tippy cups for the pre-K kids in the sink. And I said, well, we ought to make you a deacon. <laughs> and um, uh, while that may be true, uh, God wants us to start with uh, the men. And uh, frankly, I think that most of the women would say, uh, rather than them having the title of deacon, they would like to see men willing to do what they do, do, do that exact type of thing. And, you know, that is what our deacons do. But every Christian really has four names. Saint for your progressive holiness, believer for your faith, brother for your love, and disciple for your commitment. So if you look on your handout at the first verse we've listed there, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, Paul says that, we, that, that by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, you can almost put any... Uh, political, socio-economic distinction in there. And Paul says, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit baptized you into the one body of Christ because we've been made to drink into one spirit. So every believer who's born again is already baptized by the Holy Spirit into the one body of Christ. Now, you'd be amazed how much confusion there is over just that piece of sound doctrine in our society. Um, not, a, not everybody who, who is on this channel, but basically a Hillsong-type theology, they don't know the difference between filling of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, and they think it's still something you've got to do after you get saved. There's a lot of confusion on that, and Paul clears it up for them and for us, and when you get saved, you're baptized by the Spirit into Christ's body. But you know, since a church is an assembly, as that's what the word means, then that, the one church, the one church of Christ's body doesn't really exist until we all get assembled. That is going to be after the rapture. 
So what exists in time and space are churches, this church, other local churches, although it doesn't exist for you if you do not assemble with us in order to make it. So I believe there's no greater institution founded by God, but because we exist in time and we're not yet in a glorified state in eternity, probably no church is able to become exactly all that God wants it to be. Yet Jesus did say in Matthew 16, verse 18, of the church that he was building on the foundation stone of himself, that even the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it. Yet I think it was Baptist preacher F.B. Meyer who was right when he stated that the one thing that pierces the heart of the master is, is not the world's iniquity, it's the church's indifference. And so I'm consumed with the church, I'm concerned for the church, I'm committed to the church, because as the church of the living God, we are the house of God in this dispensation, making us both the pillar, extending truth, and the ground, the foundation, the stability of truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. And that is so exceedingly important for our society since they have no grounding, they have no stability. Since they have no stability, they don't know if they're coming or going. Uh, they don't, I mean, uh, uh, waking reality does not matter to them in terms of the way that they feel like they have to define things, and it just leads down a dark road of destruction. And so our thesis for today's study is that we were founded, and we are being formed, and we're fashioned by the Lord Jesus Christ as his spirit answers to his word, which is preached here. And while the people of this church will always be imperfect in this life, the plan, the program, and the purpose of God is perfect because while the saints are imperfect, the Savior is perfect. And so I want to show you from the scriptures today the perfect church that is given to us and for us in perfecting our involvement in Christ's purpose for eternity for our soul. So let me take you to a text and let me show you every category a person setting in here today. It's in Philippians chapter 1, very first verse. Philippians 1, verse 1. If you are a member of this church, I'll show you right here where you're at. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to number one, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with number two, the bishops... So those were the pastors, the word means overseers, those who are overseeing the flock, the bishops, and number three, the deacons. So everyone who is saved is, also, is a saint, because as soon as you get saved, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now you're only filled with the Holy Spirit as you get into the word. Okay, so as you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you get filled but you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. You are set apart by God for his use and his purpose in eternity. So everybody who is saved is a saint. Now, whether or not you let him use you, well, that's a different matter. But he does set you apart. Therefore, Paul calls you a saint. But Jesus grabs some of those saints to lead the church 
under him as an under-shepherd of that flock. And in this verse, they're called bishops. Because while they are under him, they are still yet overseers. And then finally, the bishops or pastors ask you to nominate other men besides them who can be for them and with them and selected to serve the congregation in physical things so that the pastors can focus on the spiritual things. And in this verse, they are called deacons. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to have three main passages we're going to focus on today. They're not in your handout. Hebrews chapter 13. Those who are involved are imperfect, but the institution is perfect. Uh, the denomination is imperfect, but the organization is perfect. So how does a perfect Savior use the saints he is perfecting to build the perfect church? This is how the perfect Savior builds the perfect church. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, the result, the outcome of their lifestyle. Verse 17, skip down to verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief. Because that'll be unprofitable for you. Okay, number one, the perfect church is pastor-led. Baptist pastor Adrian Rogers once said, anything with no head is dead, and anything with two heads is a freak. <laughs> so the church has one infallible head, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.22, Colossians 1.18. But Jesus calls certain men into ministry with his message, to enable the church to achieve Christ's mission. And two things relate to the pastors in this passage, and I want you to take note of them. First, they are to shepherd this letter A with accountability. Verse 7 says, Our faith has to be such that you can follow it. And more than that, our course of life, our attitude and actions, here translated conversation, has to be such that when you look at the result, you want to follow it. And we're ultimately accountable to God and immediately accountable to the congregation. James chapter 3 verse 1 says that we will receive greater condemnation at the judgment seat of Christ. Greater censure, greater blame, greater damage, greater loss of reward for the same failures than for a saint who is not a pastor. So what can I fail to do for you and, and miss my mission if I neglect? Well, in Acts chapter 20, at verse 28, Paul was just on a layover in Miletus, and he called for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come meet him there. This is his last word to them, and he says in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So we've got to watch ourselves. We've got to lead the flock in the right direction. Uh, we've got to feed the flock so that they are strong and they're able to accomplish Christ's mission. 
but while the church is pastor-led for accountability. It is secondly, in this letter B, it's also led with responsibility for the sheep. So you've got four admonitions here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And this goes for every member. You are to remember, to follow, to obey, and to submit. And that sounds like the strangest thing in the world to our culture today, because in our society, we've cast away biblical values. We have no biblical worldview so, you know, to say obey and submit, that's hard. Okay, well, let me, let me add two things by way of extending this passage. So remember, follow, obey and submit, and then add this. Add this from verse 18. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Well, that makes it easy to submit and obey. Okay, then add this from verse 24. Salute all them which have the rule over you and all saints. Now, salute is a pleasant greeting that expresses kindness. And it shows both respect and concern for the person. And I believe that if you will pray for us and if you will salute everybody who's leading in this church, then they as the overseers will give you so much good that you can follow in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, in your employment, and in your life, that that makes it easy peasy to obey and submit to how we watch over your souls. Christ is building his perfect church. As the shepherds hold accountability, and as the sheep take responsibility, that is how it's being built. And you know, I've been pastoring long enough to know that I can't pastor everybody. And I don't, I don't just mean in the sense in which I'm going to describe in a minute that I can't, you know, just physically pastor everybody. Uh, I know that there are some people uh, that it is simply impossible to pastor. And if they're sitting next to you, just keep looking straight up here at me. And I'll never know you were thinking about them. The only absolute authority is God and the Word of God. So my pastoral authority is limited by your voluntary submission. I know that. And if you are not wanting to follow doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, well, then I cannot lead you, 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm glad that you come. I hope that you give. But my function as pastor is limited. But where the shepherds accept their accountability... And where the sheep accept their responsibility, well, then that is the first ingredient of the per perfect church. The second one, and this is number two, is how the perfect church is also deacon-served. Turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. A lot of otherwise good churches are simply dysfunctional. Because while the word deacon is not used in this passage in Acts 6, it's translated by the word serve, They've gotten away from the main idea. They get away from the main idea. Deacons were those who served by the appointment of the apostles after nomination by the congregation to be put over a certain business of the church. So let me, let me first show you how the perfect church is deacon served. First, verse, verse 3, 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So first, letter A, they are chosen. Now, the church in Jerusalem at this time had about 20,000 members. I mean, that's crazy. The devil did not like that. And so the devil pitted two people groups against each other, the Hebrews and the Greeks, as to their widows being ministered to by the church. So he first attacked the church from the outside, the outside religious and political leaders by, and attacked by persecution. And now he wants to poison it from the inside by dissension. So I need these men with me to do the work that I would do to maintain the unity against every satanic strategy. This office is not a called position. It's a chosen position to be a spiritual micro for dirty jobs. Now, even though it's, you know, a lot of dirty jobs, those, those jobs are also a joy. Um, but a deacon has to be willing to deal with the dirt when he's got to. And by doing that, this is letter B, they show that they have character. So we ask you to look out. Uh, in our case, we didn't set a number limit. Uh, we just wanted to invite to the office men who could be chosen based on who you saw and, and, and you suggested. And it starts with respect and regard from you, which includes honest report. I mean, uh, we didn't get any reports of dishonest dealing. And we have, we've had the names out there for about three weeks now. Uh, full of the Holy Ghost, so they're willing to yield to the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and use the Word of God to refill them with Spirit, and full of wisdom. Basically asking you to suggest men with discernment and good judgment, not fleshly wisdom, 2 Corinthians 2.12, but wisdom allied to prudence, uh, Ephesians 1.8, wisdom alloyed with God's revelation, Ephesians 1.17, uh, wisdom attached to God's will, Colossians 1.9, even in dealing with those outside the church, Colossians 4.5, like what a, our board has to do. So the last thing defining deking, and this is letter C, is that they cooperate together. They cooperate with the pastors because they're all taking pieces, just like you do sometimes, of what I refer to as the pastor pie. So when you take on part of what I would have to do if you were not there, well, then you become that much of pastor. Say, so, Alan, what does that even mean? Well, let me say several things to the men that we are installing today, at least the ones who are here in this service, because, you know, our deacons are angels. I mean, our deacons are just like angels. They cannot be numbered because you can't see them all at once to get a number on them. And so we had some we installed the first service and some we installed in this service. And some from the first service will also be in this service, but not all. So the majority you'll see in this service, we're only here for this service to be installed. And yet we got more deacons than that. And they're kind of like quark particles. Uh, you know, they don't stay still stand enough to, you know, long enough to number them all. But anyhow... Um, let me say, I said the same thing in the first service, so let me say to the men we're installing today who are here in this service, and let, I'm going to let you listen in. 
uh, because some of this should apply to every one of you saints as well. Number one, when you do something in ministry, so I won't have to, you become that much of me. And I'm not scared of that. I'm not afraid of that. I'm, I'm willing to let you have that. My ministry is open like that. Uh, it is in every member ministry. Uh, when you take a piece of my pie, you become part pastor, elder, and bishop, just like I am. So, so there is a sense in which we are the pastor, not I am the pastor. And I have done what you are doing. In most all cases, trust me, I have done it at some points. Uh, but for you to do it now, well, that's as good as me doing it. Uh, nobody gets second-class service if they get it from one of these men we're going to install instead of you getting it from me because getting them is as good as getting me in that respect. If they, if they visit you at the hospital instead of me, if they make a call instead of me, if they deal with some matter instead of me. Um, number five, you know what? Maybe I could do it better. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I can't do it all. Ministry is only multiplied when you accept a piece of the pastor pie. So number six, I can't do it all because I can't be everywhere you're at. And number seven, we can do it better than I can do it all. And number eight, if I give you a part of my pie, well, then you owe it to me to do it with the same consecration that I would do it. I'm going to trust you're going to have that seriousness, the same sober-mindedness and see it, you know, just, just for what it is, just like I do. Number nine, you're representing me as well as representing Christ. Number 10 is our church grows, and I've got to make this admission. Uh, each new leader pushes the pastor further away from some people. And that right there explains why some churches never grow. Because the pastor doesn't want that and will not allow that. But if you take over children, you push me from parents. But I can't, I can't oversee the children area. If you take over parking or hospitality, will you push me that far away from visitors and first-time people? So in one sense, the more people I give a piece of my pie, well, then the lonelier I get and the farther I am from some people who are being ministered to. However, it's number 11, each deacon becomes closer to certain people than I am. And that's okay. I don't have time to take everybody out to lunch. We got, but we got a lot of deacons here. And I don't have time to go to a movie uh, with all of you. Uh, so I get pushed back by our success, just like the apostles did. And that is as it should be. So between some people and me is a line of deacons having a piece of my pie called pastor. Between me and new people may be you. But that is okay, because number 12, each deacon is going to make other people feel like they're close to the pizza pie, close to the pastor, because they got a part of the pie. Here, let me give you a slice of the pie. See, isn't, isn't that great? I mean, I, that's, that's what our pastor does. I'm just doing it for you. So my job, I and I hope I do this, is to make you feel close to Jesus. 
as under shepherd, I stand in his place to minister to you. So my goal is to make you closer and closer to him through his word, even though I stand in one sense between you and him. So I've sliced the pie so that you can help me. So you can take part of the people and get close to them in my place. Bring them here, draw them closer to us, minister to them, disciple them, meet their needs, make them disciples, and draw them into every member ministry with you. That is the beauty and that is the power of what we have together. And that's why we win whenever Satan's devils falter. It is because of our unity and our love. Now look at verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. And the word of God increased. Wow, that's what God wants. I mean, he magnifies his word above his name. And, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So the greatest revival in history took place after this format was followed. So I don't know what they're doing in Asbury. I don't know what, you know, what they do other places. All I know is greatest revival ever happened was following this format. And the disciples used to be added. But now they's like Bebe's kids. They don't die, they multiply. And you know, sometimes in our own thinking, we distinguish between service and ministry and service and ministry. And, and I like to invite deacons to help me serve at uh, the Lord's Supper and serve the Lord's Supper. And that's just pastoral philosophy because that's what my pastor did uh, that I grew up under. Uh, and we like to have, to have it be deacons that help, uh, help us take up the offering because they're trustworthy because you nominated them. They must be trustworthy, so we like to have them doing that. But really, they're deacons because they're already serving, waiting a table someplace. Now, they may also minister. There's a lot of crossover. I'm not a big fan of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a uh, org church hierarchy. I'm not, a, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, as long as he gets done, I don't care. He does it. Here, here's, the, here's a piece of the pie. You do it. Uh, so I, and, so I, and I understand in some places, uh, some respects, uh, maybe that's not appropriate, but for the most part, it's an every member ministry, and we need you on board helping us, and I need these men on board helping us, and for the mo they are they're serving, waiting some table someplace, as well as maybe some ministry thing that they do. Because I think that when the preachers start preaching, and the teachers start teaching, and the deacons start deaking, and when the singers start singing... I think that when the prayers start praying and when the planners start planning and the greeters start greeting and the shouters start shouting and the givers start giving, then the job of this church is going to glorify Jesus Christ. I think so. We don't have to be perfect to glorify Christ. But if we glorify Christ, we're going to be perfected because now more can be done together than any one person can do alone. Number three, this is the final thing that makes the perfect church. Guess who it is? The perfect church is people-operated. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. The church at Ephesus was a working church, a patient church, a sound doctrine church, according to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. So when Paul writes them, they're a revived and revered and respected church. And Paul talks about three things that characterized their people-operated church. 
Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So first they had the unity of the saints. There has to be harmony because there's unity. In other words, our unity in the mission trumps disharmony over other issues. So that doesn't mean everybody likes the same things. That doesn't mean everybody thinks the same way, not, you know, in secular matters or other things necessarily. That doesn't mean everybody votes the same. Hello, somebody. That part is so much beneath us compared to what we got to do. So what it really means, and this is number one, is that we've got a common goal for which to strive. Verse 1, go back up to verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Walk worthy. How do you do that? By walking with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So we've got a common goal for which we strive. Second, we've got a com- we have common ground on which to stand. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And we preach from one Bible, because that Bible is Scripture, which contains the certainty of the words of truth for us all. Therefore, and this is number three, we can have common grace by which we serve. Verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we're not perfect, but we are being perfected. And we are being perfected by our unity. And with that unity, we're able to act second. Second, this is letter B, we're able to act with tenacity. Let the whole church say tenacity. (coughs) Verse 13. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There's the Word of God and to a perfect. So in the center, we got the Word of God. And then on either side, we got unity and a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is what it all is called when it comes together. So we've got the goal of looking more and more like Jesus. We want the stature of being grown up in doing that. So that we've got to have the tenacity to mature and to be balanced by being complete. And that will be done. Finally, this is letter C, through the ministry of the saints. Now watch, verse 11 says that pastors and teachers exist to do verse 12. And verse 12, they exist for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that demonstrates exactly what happens when a church is dysfunctional because a church is dysfunctional. Many churches today are dysfunctional because the ministry of the saints is not being carried out by the saints themselves, and that's dysfunction. So instead what we have is some Christians be like wheelbarrows, no good unless they're pushed, canoes, they ought to be paddled, Kites, if they're not tied down, they fly away. Footballs, you can't tell which way they bounce. They're going to bounce. Balloons, they're full of wind and ready to blow up. 
trailers, they won't come unless they're pulled. But what we ought to be is watches, open face, pure gold, quietly busy and full of good works, always accurate, right on time. Let's be that. Uh, because everybody is somebody in this body. But you do not know that you are somebody and you are not acting like you are anybody unless you find your part to take your part and do your part in this body. Savvy? And whatever other faults or flaws, that is the perfect church. So what are deacons? Matthew 23, servants. Mark 9, last of all. Luke 22 is the younger, not as the chief. Servant of everyone, and yet having to endure the leader's same hardships. So right now I'd like to invite uh, the pastors who are here in this service to come up here on the platform with me. So all of our pastors, make your way up here, come up here on the platform. I'm also going to ask the men that we are installing as deacons who are here in this service to make their way and come up here on the platform also with us. If you can get, if you'll be on that side, I'll be looking at you from this side. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I don't know if you understand Paul's mindset completely, but there's a progression in his life where he says, you know, I'm less than the, any of the other apostles. And then it's like, I'm less than the least of all the saints. And then at the end, it's like, man, I'm chief of sinners. And so what he, what he says was true of him, which is a kind of a left-handed encouragement to me, is that Christ enabled him and Christ counted him faithful. He didn't con even consider himself faithful. Someone else over him considered him faithful, putting him into the ministry. And, you know, that clause, whenever I use all the synonyms provided by the James gang in the, in the translators King James Bible says that he appointed me, he committed me, even purposed me to the office of serving, to the deaconate. Uh, Paul took that word from classical Greek where the deacon was servant to the king. And we're all standing here to serve King Jesus. And uh, so, Dan, come on up here. I, you know, we didn't... So this list, the iteration has changed. Uh, probably every week we put it out. And we didn't have a list, I don't think, in, the, um, in today's bulletin. But, uh, so there's, you know, some, uh, some stuff goes. So, so anyway, Dan's back there someplace if anybody has his certificate passed back to him. I, anybody else we're missing, I don't know. You guys can look out, maybe let me know. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask this group of deacons four questions and if you agree with each question after I've asked it I'm going to ask you you know if you will as a group please answer I do or I will uh, to affirm that you agree with what I'm asking you first one is this do you promise us in the Lord that you will not lower the standard that we as pastors are presenting to you but by the grace of God, you will fully live it up to it as men who are called and now consecrated as deacons to this congregation. Do you promise that if you ever cease to qualify or backslide, 
so as to hurt the testimony of Jesus or this church, or you reach a place of major doctrinal disagreement, or you feel like you cannot wholly follow our leadership, that you'll resign from this office. And I'm sad and it's a shame that I have to tag on a clause that says, and please let me know. Do you promise to see that this house of the Lord and congregation of God's people are served and beautifully cared for? Recognizing the sacred responsibility of your appointment, yet aware of your own human weakness, will you seek to be both directed and empowered by the Spirit of God so that you can be a faithful servant, minister, deacon of King Jesus who has called us? 1 Timothy 3 verse 13 says, For they that have used the office of a deacon and use it well, they purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So our prayer as pastors for each one of you men, as Harvest Baptist Church deacons, is that for the next two years, or unless there's a pandemic, but uh, for the next two years, uh, you will use this office well, purchase a good degree, spend it, to get a higher degree of reward at the judgment seat of Christ and use it to gain boldness in the faith. I'm going to encourage you to be full of faith and have believing boldness because you're a deacon, no other reason, just because you're a deacon of this church. Well, you know, I can step out and do that. I'm a deacon, Harvest Baptist Church. So I'm going to ask uh, Tom Brockmeyer to lead us in prayer as we install these men in the office of deacon. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity. God, we're encouraged by the men on this platform for yes. uh, these deacons and Holy Spirit, we pray a special anointing on these men. God, yes, Lord. Much yes. Pastor to help us serve this body. And Lord, we do ask that uh, you would just perfect these men yes. with great boldness. God, that the gospel ministry would go forth. And Lord, that they would just uh, serve well whatever whatever table set before them with yes. this church body. God, I pray for their families. I pray for their wives, that they would just have the support and that their homes would just be a testimony yes, and a Lord. reflection yes. of, of Jesus Christ and, uh, and this church body and your love for people. So, Lord, we just pray that you would take these men and that yes. you would use them mightily. God, I pray that they would make full proof yes. of this ministry. Yeah. Lord, that... Two years from now, the, the, Lord, these men are, are pastoring with us. Uh, yes. That these are future leaders, missionaries, pastors. God, do that with these men. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'd like uh, right now for the wives of these men who are here to stand. Okay, so all the deacons' wives to stand. And then I'd like the wives of the pastors who are here to come help us pass out some flowers to them. Um, and we've got, yeah, or any of the de other deacons' wives that can help with other deacons. Um, I think we've got more of our pastors' wives that work in other areas here at this service than we did in last service. But, and this is, I wish we had a corsage. All we got is a carnation, but it's just a token of our love, of our fellowship with you, of our desire uh, to be praying for you. Uh, as well as your husbands, um, you know, as they have this time of service with us. 
And uh, while those carnations are being passed out, I'm going to, you know, one, uh, we're giving the right hand of fellowship to the deacons. They're getting their certificates of installation. And once carnations are passed out, I'm going to ask the whole congregation to stand. So everybody else stand. And we're going to let the praise team send us out singing this morning. And then there are some refreshments at the back on each side in order to help us uh, celebrate. And so make sure you uh, give, uh, give these new deacons a salute uh, before you leave. If